Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule, where we reconvene once again for another week to have an atter and generally put the football world to rights. I'm Kate Borsay, and after missing last week's episode to take a well-earned holiday, it's my great pleasure to introduce once again the podcast's very own royalty, but tanned, I hope, Hayley McQueen. How are you doing? Thanks. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I can't say I'm firing on all cylinders. I'm absolutely knackered. Why is it when you, you go on holiday, you try and relax, yet you return? And because you have to do an insane amount of washing, cleaning, generally tidying up, picking up on life admin to get going again, I feel like I need another holiday. Oh, no, that's an absolute waste of a holiday, yeah. Hayley McQueen. Uh, listen, hopefully life will settle back into its its usual pace without all that frantic housework going on. Of course, uh, we are in an international break as well, so maybe that will give you a bit of respite. Yeah. Um, listen, Lindsay's at Anfield preparing for an interview. I've, I've, we, are, we are due to meet later, uh, Lindsay and I, and I've, I've already got some frantic text messages. We're having to relocate to Anfield. There's some drilling going on. I don't think I'll make it. So she's having a stress <laughs> right now, basically, wow. in Liverpool. Uh, instead, we've brought along the cool head that is the brilliant star of TikTok and, of course, many footballing channels indeed, the wonderful Ali Bender. Ali, welcome back. Hey guys, how are you doing? I mean, that is the life of a, of a football reporter, isn't it? It's always stressful. I always laugh about how many sounds come out of the woodwork just as you're about to record. I once had a guy like <laughs> drilling and he wanted to drill exactly where I was standing at the right moment that I was about to go live. I was like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Whose training ground is it where the press conferences used to be held? Was it, was it Chelsea? Oh, no, an Arsenal, where there's a car wash, a guy washing yes, cars. And you're, just, you're literally trying to get your live done as soon as the press conference is finished. And you run outside and you've got your words ready and you're ready to go. And then it's like... <laughs> Jet spray the Porsches. Yeah, yes, exactly. 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 Uh, well, look, Ali, it's lovely to have you back on again. You've got a great mm-hmm. podcast series of your own, which I'm going to give a plug because not only have you, you've, you've spoken to Lindsay for it, I know, but this week you spoke to Kelly Cates, um, yeah. who is so brilliant at what she does. And in terms of us being, mm. you know, women of a certain age, having been through been through decades really between us of starting out in the industry and getting to where we've got to now I know that that had to be a really interesting chat it was it was brilliant I mean Kelly's so good and um I just she's just so she put things so well and there there are topics I think about often I think the one that really stood out to me and go and have a listen to it because it's quite I do try and keep these really short because I know that everyone's time poor um so I cut out all the waffle and I make them usually only about 20 minutes long but she talks about um aging in this industry and I think it was really interesting what she said about how you have to keep 
doors open for young people coming through because we were we were once that young person but at the same time we shouldn't be ashamed that we want to work and I just thought it was so well put classic Kelly she just gets it you know hits the nail on the head but yeah we cover so many topics about this industry and the brutal truths of it so yeah give it a listen it's called talent takes time yes and um, wherever you get your podcast thanks yeah absolutely do check it out well listen we've got some football topics to debate this week we'll get stuck into that in just a moment if you want to make sure that you don't miss an episode of us please do subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to the offside rule you can check us out on twitter at offside rule pod and head over to our website as well offside rule podcast.com well coming up on the show after 15 year old ethan wanieri broke the record for the youngest ever premier league player at the weekend congratulations to Ethan. Uh, We talk about which other records could be broken this season. And with the international break in full flow, we want to point out some interesting storylines. What is going on uh, in the undercurrent of football at the moment? What might keep you amused until the return of club football? But first, with Todd Bowley making waves last week with his suggestion of a North versus South all-star game. What? Uh, We give our thoughts on the idea. Do we like it? Do we not? And we'll have a go at picking a north side and a south side. I mean, ultimately, I hope that the Premier League takes a little bit of a lesson from American sports and really starts to figure out, you know, why wouldn't we do a tournament, you know, with the bottom four teams? Why isn't there an all-star game? I mean, people are talking about more money for the pyramid, you know, MLB did their all-star game in L.A. this year. We made $200 million from, you know, a Monday and a Tuesday. You know, so, you know, I think you could do a North versus South, you know, all-star game for Premier League and fund whatever the pyramid needed very easily. All right, let's get stuck into this then. Topic number one, Todd Bowley creating a lot of headlines last week by putting forward this idea of a North versus South Premier League game to raise money for the football pyramid. So it came from a good place, I think. Uh, Speaking at a conference in New York, the Chelsea owner suggested doing a playoff for the bottom four sides to see who gets relegated. That was one of his ideas. But his North versus South all-star idea really grabbed people's attention. They do something similar in Major League Baseball. And he said it made $200 million from a Monday and a Tuesday and suggested that the Premier League could do the same to help out smaller sides. So, first of all, is this a good idea? Before we have a go at picking our teams, which is always really good fun when we do things like this, is this a good idea? Hayley McQueen. Hmm. I don't know whether it's a good idea or not, but it's certainly interesting. And I, I, I have a few thoughts on this because for me you sound a bit hesitant a bit like (laughs) it's it's the thing is the the difference is in america when you've got nba and nfl you have their leagues and that's it right the players play basketball they play american football they have an all-star game that's it we have many cup competitions a league world cups that come during the summer european championships we've got nations league friendlies when we do have the best of our nation's talent coming together so for me it's i get it i i I get why he thinks it would be a fun idea and i do think it would be fun it'd be quite interesting it would be novelty but my issue is about the whole 
Like, where the hell do you fit this in? And it's just another thing mm. to try and fit in on top of European football, I didn't even mention as well, with the Champions League, Europa League and, and, and further down. Oh, it's just, it gives me a bit of a headache. I'm already stressed about missing, of course, games in this last week or so, World Cup in this winter. It's like, dude... Where do we find the time? Feels like a lot to take on, doesn't it? And Jurgen Klopp yeah, said yeah. something similar. He just, you know, laughed and said, "Well, I don't know where you're going to fit it in." Um, is it worse that it's come from an American, Ali? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it is. And obviously, I'm speaking as a Chelsea fan. As soon as he he spoke in this um, in this conference, I just knew there would be a huge backlash. It would be like, "Oh, Ted Lasso speaking again." I mean, Jesse Marsh has had a lot of it as well. And I think it's a little bit unfair, first of all, because. We've got to remember he was speaking to a business audience, okay? And so as fans, we we forget, we don't like to think that football is a business. We like to think of it as a passion, almost like a religion. And so when people start making business ideas um, that don't seem to make sense in a football world, I think we get a bit upset about it. And, and fair play, and I totally understand. I mean, Jurgen Klopp was sort of thrown thrown in the deep end a bit because, you know, he was live in a press conference when someone just threw it at him and, oh, and I thought he dealt out. with it really well. Exactly. But um, I do think, you know, like you say, his heart's in the right place in the fact that, you know, he's, he's talking about making money um, for the football pyramid, which I think we'll all agree is, is great. The one thing I will say, I was actually, it reminded me of the very first football game I ever attended as a journalist. My first job at Real Madrid TV was an all-stars game. So it was Real Madrid against an American all-star team. It had like players like Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey um, and, you know, a bunch of other Americans who to be honest, I hadn't heard of, and, and Real Madrid absolutely spanked them. But what they did is they they did it as a pre-season game at the Bernabeu, first game of the season, friendly, brilliant occasion. And so I can see why, you know, if you replace one of these kind of, you know, obviously we have a lot of um, big trips. I mean, it would be crazy. I kind of like the idea of seeing all these great players together. It's almost like soccer aid, isn't it? I do. Yes. Yeah. But then I yes. suppose you love it. Yes, but I suppose it's then how confusing it is. We, we, we obviously see players from different teams come together on an international level. That's quite nice. That's quite safe because we're used to seeing them uh, for the under-21s and then upwards. We're talking about putting a load of players in the blender and, and, and <laughs> mixing it up again, basically, on a major level. And, and it's interesting what you say. Go on. Go on, Hayley. I just worry about, come on, we're trying to be united we've, we've had the queen's death we're trying to for those who are into a monarchy get behind kind of this this new regime we've got a new prime minister we're going through cost of living issues we're, <laughs> surely the, we the, can the nations, handle this <laughs> the nation's internal surely this this would just cause another massive split between this is the north and the insight. south into, yeah. into trying Hayley to be united current state of mind yes united <laughs> kingdom <laughs> i think i think Hayley's saying i just can't handle anymore you know no. i think it'd be more fun Scottish all star, a Scottish all star team against an English all star team. I know that probably wouldn't work because they're leagues apart, but that would be fun. Yeah, and later on in the show, I'm actually going to bring Scotland into a, another competition mishmash. You'll be, uh, you'll be pleased to know. Shouldn't the FA be helping out the lower tier sides anyway? Should it, should it be up to Premier League sides to come up with an inventive idea and? and execute some fundraising? Yeah, I mean, of course this happens, and this is always a debate that, that we, we speak about so often. And we've seen so many clubs in crises and, and big problems, you know, when COVID hit, that clubs couldn't sustain themselves. So I, I do think it's... Well, the, the thing that I like about Todd Bowley is he seems to have surrounded himself with the right people. So yes, he's got a very 
Um, he's got a very business mind, but he also has people around him. Like he has Chelsea fans around him, so they will tell him that you know this is not going to go down well with the fans. And Back after, you know. But he was just he was he was kind of throwing some ideas out there, and I I don't mind that as much. And I have to be very careful what I say on social media because I have a lot of Chelsea followers having worked at the club. And I just, I just knew as soon as I put that headline out there, people would be like, oh, it's a terrible idea. He's going to ruin our club, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it did make a lot of fun, didn't it, with people putting their teams together. And, and I know we had a bit of a go as well. And look, sometimes deeply traditional games like football, even though it is the modern game nowadays and so much about it in terms of the way it's broadcast, the way it's put across, the stats, so much of it is thoroughly modern. But sometimes you need someone to come and break the mould a little bit because at its heart everyone in football really are still, you know, it's still fundamentally very traditionalist, isn't it? When you get down to the roots of it. So why not throw a different idea out there? In terms of how it works, I mean, let's let's take the example from the NBA. They're all-star games. So they have Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. So East versus West rather than North-South. And the starting lineup, so it is an exhibition match uh, and the starting lineups are selected via fan, player and media voting. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting that there's a big vote. Fans get to have their say. Players get to have their say and the media does as well. And then the head coaches select the reserves for each team. So that's how they do it across there. That that might give you some food for thought. Should we have a go at trying to do this ourselves? Now, my, 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 yeah. my other question with this North versus <laughs> South is what about the Midlands, Todd? I mean, what about the Midlands? Where do you draw the line? I suppose we have to figure out how many teams are in it. I mean, I'm just looking at the top 10 of the table, right? And actually, it's funny because my first, my initial thought, as soon as we kind of thought about this, was that, oh, well, the North is so much better. I mean, they've got Manchester City and they've got Manchester United and they've got Liverpool. I mean, Manchester United have not been so good lately. But actually, when you look at it, yeah, when you look at it, so the top 10, you've got Arsenal top south, um, you've got... City, North, Tottenham, South, Brighton, Hove, Albion, South, Manchester United, North, Fulham, South, Chelsea, South, Liverpool, North, Brentford, South, and Newcastle, North. So you've got six South and four North in the top 10. So South are actually doing pretty well. Um, hmm. and, you know, so it's and more I, even split than we might think, basically. Yeah, exactly. Because of, I think Brighton, Hove, Albion doing really well up in fourth has really kind of put a cat amongst the pigeons because I would have I would have been tempted to basically make my north team just City and, and Liverpool players and then my south team normally I'd probably go like I don't know Chelsea and Chelsea Tottenham Spurs. Or, or, yeah. yeah exactly but there's a few there's a few kind of other teams in the mix now isn't there yes so without further ado let's let's try and whip through this 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 might get a bit long but but, but I'm, I'm sure Actually, our listeners at home have had a go at selecting if they were going to choose an all-star team, North versus South, who would be in what position? We can probably agree uh, if we start with the North, the goalkeeper position's got to go mm-hmm. Alison or Edison, hasn't it really? Um, anyone want to override who we choose? I'll go Alison for me because he's almost got the same name as me, Alison Becker, Alison Bender. <laughs> <laughs> is That's that enough of a reason he's pretty good he won the gold he shared the golden glove as well. i am very happy with allison there uh so Haley, you didn't get to have a say in that one uh so where would you like to yeah. go in terms of right back center back left back for the north um who are you going with oh right back i'm going to go trent alexander arnold i've also got him in my fantasy football team which by the way i'm having an absolute disaster with so this is like fantasy football where i can kind of make up for what went wrong in mine already so right back trent for me could have trippier up there as well but yeah i think i think if you're talking about all stars this is what i'm going for it's the stars of the team 
Okay. And centre-back for you, Hayley? Centre-back, I'm going to go for... I would have gone for Virgil van Dijk, okay? But this season... Uh-uh. hasn't started the season very well. Lissandro Martinez, he's been sublime. Three goals conceded in his last six games for Man United. We could have two in there, arguably, couldn't we? Um, I would go with Ruben Diaz for, you know, consistency, okay. excellency. I- I'm a Liverpool fan. Of course, I love Virgil van Dijk, but I get that right now uh, he's not top mm. of the pile. Do you know what, though? It's because it's stars. I mean, I, I-, I agree with yeah. you. Diaz and Laporte are great, but... I love, I don't know about you, but when you watch Virgil van Dijk in the flesh, there is just something about him. That star It's so quality. difficult because are we going on current form or are we going on all-time greats? People, I, I, I mean, look, if this is going to be a commercial game, this is going to raise as much money as possible. Perhaps we do need those names that are more identifiable. You know, maybe you'd put Cristiano Ronaldo in there when you wouldn't normally. So this is, this is the tussle we've got. I like the fact as well in centre-backs, you've got a United player, trying to play alongside a Manchester City player. I like that dynamic as well. Mm, Okay. Um, Ali, I'm going to get you to pick up on left back for the North. Yeah. So, so speaking about kind of commercial value, I would, I would actually go with an Everton player and I'd go with Michaelenko. And the reason why, obviously being a Ukrainian right now, I think that would be a really good thing when we're talking about all stars and, you know, I think it's really important for, you know, I'm getting a bit political here, but you know, let's, and, and he's been excellent as well. So let's let's go with him at, at left back. I think. Okay. Uh, other contenders: Andy Robertson uh, for Liverpool, Leicester's James Justin. Leicester have been terrible, but uh, but he still scores very well. Let's go on to the midfield, shall we? On this one, um, right, Hayley McQueen. Let's get you to. I, I mean, for me, you've got to put De Bruyne in there, haven't you? Because every little kid yeah. up and down the country wants to see De Bruyne. So he is an absolute must. I think I think we'll probably all agree on that one. Yep. Yeah, okay. he would be my first pick. But I think because we're not going to get many Newcastle players in here, uh, Bruno Guimaraes has to be in there as, as as a Newcastle United representative. Okay, all right. Um, should we move on to the wings with you, Ali, or the right wing anyway, or uh, indeed another centre mid if you want to chuck one in? Yeah, I mean, I probably, I'll agree with Hayley there. Um, I'll, I'll go with the right winger of Mo Salah. I mean, absolutely brilliant yes. he's been for yes. so many years so consistently as well but also he's a star he is a star and we're, we're, we're wanting to see some of the stars play um so let's go him I, I'm also a huge fan of Phil Foden and he's so young as well that'll be a good one for the kids um he's only 22 five goals and assisted seven so far this season so he's got to get a place um at striker I mean Erling Haaland all day long uh, again I don't think we're going to get much disagreement 11 goals in seven games so far three more than anyone else in Europe he has settled into life in the Premier League so well that throwing him into another equation it's not just into a new league but throwing him into an all-star game I think he'd cope with that fine as well oh he's just he's absolutely ridiculous this guy I mean uh, there was just I just always wondered how you know how well he's settled into the Premier League and it's just I mean it's been ridiculous hasn't it he's just absolutely phenomenal. ridiculous um I haven't even noted those down but I hope our listeners uh, I hope we've whittled through that well enough to give you our thoughts on the North team uh now the South team Hayley let's get started with you showing a goalkeeper okay Let's go on current form and what about Ramsdale? Three clean sheets in seven games this season. Would he be the one that you would pick or who else could you maybe put in there? Well, you could have the experience of Hugo Lloris, couldn't you? Definitely. But if you've, seen the, um, if you've seen the documentary, um, Arsenal All or Nothing, 
oh my goodness, Ramsdale is the star of that documentary. His dad is hilarious. <laughs> I love there the fact go. if he concedes a goal, he goes mental. That and we goes want absolutely crazy, like doesn't he? So let's put Ramsdale in. I've just, I've, I'm actually in the middle of watching that with my son, who is, um, who is, well, I don't know how much of a good example. So I'm, 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 I'm having to <laughs> sort of edit bits out as we go along. But you yeah. Know. Okay. So let's look at right back centre back left back shall we Reese James surely Reese James has got to be in there again he is a big pull all the kids know who he is Chelsea's True. best player at the moment potentially um yeah. I think Reese James is nailed on there for right back do disagree with me if you will but should we go Ali to you and centre back and left back yeah I'd go Reese James I, I think I heard a rule that you're not allowed to, to more than two players from each oh, club no. right no and no so, no no, no. Uh, we've got Reese James at right back but can I put Thiago Silva at centre back I think we're still only two so far from Chelsea because I, I think you know the fact that he's you know he's mature but he's just so good he's so fit he's losing a little mm. bit of pace but it doesn't seem to matter as much um 21 clean sheets in 61 games only missed six Premier League games since the start of last season 37 years old he's got to get a place for me mm. and you know Brazilian we like to see a Brazilian in the team okay mm. left back Ali do you want to come in on this one or Hayley can we give Ben Chilwell a chance please because he seems to be losing his place to Mark Kukurea, obviously, because Graham Potter's come in and knows him really well. I think Chilwell was doing so well before he got injured. So let's give him an all-stars game just to kind of... If we're only limited to two, I mean, we basically oh, can't right. keep it to I've just two per my... team. But if you well, can't I'll have Chilwell, out... do go for Tyrick Mitchell? Do you know what? I could, you, could go, you could do that or I could take out um, my centre-back and I could put someone like Joachim Anderson at Palace in. Because Palace mm. have done really well and I think he deserves a place at centre-back. So I'm happy to forfeit silver. I think picking up on Ali's point, because we would have a Ukrainian representing the north, it would be nice to have Ukrainian representing the south. So what about Zinchenko? Yeah. Excellent technician. One assist in four games. OK, he's injured right now, but we don't know when the hell this game is going to take place, do we? So maybe we just pop him in there as well, going up his up against his, his fellow countrymen. OK, so left-back causing uh, quite a difference in opinions here. Uh, centre mid Hayley for you um we've got to put Declan Rice in there haven't we and I mean actually this is this is this is an embarrassment of riches Declan Rice Kante got to put Kante in there as well but then we break our rules again yeah I I don't mind forfeiting Kante he's not been the player that he once was so um Brian Hove Albion we mentioned at the top because they're doing really well so maybe someone like Pascal Gross who's been doing incredibly Mm. well maybe deserves a place and you know it's not necessarily the sexiest club Brighton, but they're doing so oh, well. Moises Casado as well. He's, True, you know he's been very strong in midfield. McAllister for Brighton too. We, we, we haven't got any Brighton in here at all, mm. actually, yet, have we? So maybe we do need no. to lean into that. Okay, where are we up to now then? So Haley, uh, we've done centre mid, right wing. Is it got to be Bakayo Saka because we all love him? It has to be Saka yeah. because how could you not have an all-star team with him in it? Last season. 18 goals and assists. Core blimey, just the one goal, but four assists in seven games already. He is in sublime form. I think he'll love playing Mm. in a game like this as well. Right, so here we go to finish things off. Striker position in the south. What do we do here? I'll give you some options, uh, as if you need reminding. Harry Kane, third on the all-time list of Premier League goals. We know he's one of the most famous footballers in this land. Uh, Jesus, uh, Ivan Toney, I mean... You know, super cute. I loved his reaction, by the way, about getting the England call up. Just said, "Wow!" And he was driving. He was driving when he when he got the call up. <laughs> yes. like, what, like, what can you imagine? Anyway, um, Obama Yang, 
you know, controversial. But if we're talking about an all-star game, do you put Obama Young in there? Ali? Yeah, and I was thinking about someone like Mitrovic, who's been so great with six goals and seven games. Mm. But again, if like the, an all-star game, he, he's not the kind of the name that's going to call in the crowds. It's really sad, isn't it? Um, and cynical. And like you say, Aubameyang would, but I don't think Aubameyang's half as good as him. So that no, suddenly you get that sort of controversy. You know, Son is, is, again, if you want sort of international appeal as well, we haven't got any other South Koreans in there. That's true. Um, and we, you know, true. we like to keep it international. I mean, Kane obviously gets a place. I'd like to see a two up front, actually. Maybe we go, I don't want to do Kane and Son though. Um, Kane and Tony. How about that? Mm, with Aubameyang on the bench, maybe? Because then he's there, but he's not necessarily on the pitch the whole time but he's yeah, there to draw the crowds how, in how do we choose the managers as well do we um is it a manager who's currently in work or someone who's just got the sack like thomas tuchel oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what i feel like it's really difficult isn't it because you want a manager who's working in the premier league who's got knowledge of all the players rather than someone who's just been sacked from Madrid or something. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, yeah tough one. Um, I'm not sure we've got time to discuss that. Maybe, listeners, you'd like to let us know. Or, indeed, give us your opinions on your All-Star 11s, please, at Offside Rule Pod if you're getting in touch. We were on a break! <laughs> OK, let's head into topic two. It is the international break. It feels weird having another pause, doesn't it, after the hiatus we had uh, to honour the late Queen Elizabeth II. So here we are again, no Premier League action. It's the final international break before this winter's World Cup, which is going to come round so, already is coming round so quickly. I think some of the fans might be a bit desperate to get the action back, uh, and I'd understand that. Um, so how do we entertain fans who want something exciting to look out for? How can we divert their longing for the Premier League to get back and running. Well, I think we might have some suggestions here. Ali, give me some storylines. Give me some things we should be watching out for over the next week or so. Yeah, I'm quite excited about watching Brazil, to be honest, because um, it's it's weird mm. to think that there aren't that many games now, international games, before the World Cup begins. So, you know, World Cup fever starts here and you've got a couple of friendlies for Brazil. They've got Ghana on Friday and they've got Tunisia on Tuesday. Um, and, you know, this is Tite's last tournament before he said he's going to step down. And I think they could do something really good. I mean, I was in Russia and they reached the quarterfinals. They were knocked out by Belgium. But when you think about they, they're unbeaten in the last 13 games since losing the Copa America final to Argentina. And the, the talent on display. I mean, let me just go through some of these names. And it's mouthwatering. Um, and also players who are in really good form at the moment. So Richarlison, we've seen the best of him lately. Um, you've got Vinicius Jr., Neymar, Rodrigo, they've got incredible depth in the midfield, Fabinho, Casemiro, Guimaraes, who we mentioned earlier, and Fred, and also great defence as well, Militao, Marquinhos, um, Thiago Silva, at the ripe old age of 37, going into another World Cup. Um, and then the goalkeepers, when you've got to choose between Edison and Alisson, I mean, <laughs> ah, it's ridiculous. It's cruel. I just, where, it's cruel. Where's, the, where's the weak link there? So I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on against Tunisia and Ghana and then start making predictions about how they're going to get on at the World Cup. Very good indeed. Hayley McQueen. Okay, I just want to have a little mention for a team that actually didn't qualify for the World Cup but are causing a few problems for teams who are trying to pick up some healthy wins before heading into the tournament. And it's Hungary. And I'm really interested about why the Hungarian national team have suddenly sort of found their form again a little bit despite missing out. They're in this Group C of the 
uh, Nations League, um, known as the, the Group of Death, Italy, England, Germany, uh, Hungary, very much the underdogs, but of course, beating England as a Scot, I just had to bring this up, 4-0, of course. They're first in the group with seven points. Really interestingly, it gets quite political, this, because the Hungarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, likes to kind of embody the image of this, this simple young man. He's into football. He's down with the people. He uses football to try and get on side with, with, with all the people of Hungary. And he actually, he has given... Well, the government have made sure that they've given money to completely, he's saying, revolutionise Hungarian football. They spent 2.5 billion euros building new and renovating old football arenas and academies throughout Hungary, okay? In the Euro 2020 tournament, Hungary, they were the only co-host country to grant 100% admission to seats at the Pushkas Arena that was in Budapest. Other countries, the maximum capacity was about 50%. One of his best friends owns a Hungarian football club. Another of his best mates owns a different football club. He's been spotted with a couple of different club scarves, whether that would go down well or not. If, imagine <laughs> oh, being no. here and having a, a Chelsea scarf one one day and a Man City one doesn't quite work but I just find it really interesting that um, Hungary are in the form of their lives right now I know mm. they don't have players like the famous Pushkas and, and they were an incredible incredible nation footballing nation many many years ago and then they've always been there or thereabouts but had a little bit of a drop off but I, I just think them against Germany are going to cause a few little upsets ahead of the World Cup Potentially. Now, make no mistake, Viktor Orban is a very divisive figure. Boris Johnson got into a lot of trouble in May because he sort of rolled out the red carpet for him. And Viktor Orban absolutely mm. idolises Boris Johnson. So I'm going to set the tone and say that the Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, is well, he's a very controversial figure, indeed an autocrat, uh, some might say. But he's clearly trying to get onto a good thing here, isn't mm -hmm. he? He's seen the commercial value in football and decided that he wants a little piece of it. Yeah, let's see. He will, um, he'll have a job, put it like this, although politics and football should you know, remain separate. It's quite hard for it, or it will be quite hard for Viktor Orban to um, to sell the plaudits of what he wants to do with football in the country to some other European leaders because many don't like him at all. But yeah, really interesting, interesting what he's up to. And uh, we talked earlier, didn't we, about North versus South? Well, something that may keep us entertained in the days ahead will be the various different reports coming out of the Premier League shareholders meeting that takes place on Wednesday. So today, as we're recording this, and there are some quite controversial plans up for discussion. There's something called the New Deal for Football. These are proposals being considered by Premier League clubs uh, for radical change, effectively. They're talking about scrapping all FA Cup replays and making quite significant changes to the League Cup as well. So what they want to do basically is try and free up space in the calendar and that would mean scrapping thir third and fourth round FA Cup replays entirely. This would be from 2024 and clubs involved in European competitions would either not compete in the League Cup or would field under 21 sides and these could be some of the most radical changes uh, to the way we do football in this country I think for many many seasons. So this could be an interesting point of debate. Expect to consider this and to hear lots about this in the next few days. Could there be big changes? Do you think we'd support that, Ali? Would you support that? Do you know, I, I definitely support um, making this football calendar a bit slimmer. It's I, I, I really worry for some of the players and injuries 
particularly, you know, when you've got the World Cup coming up, you just wonder how many of these players are going to start sort of dropping off a little bit because they're trying to protect themselves. I think it's going to be a really strange season. So, yeah, things like, you know, third round replays, I think we can t- totally do without them. Now, of course, the, the revenue is really important for some of the clubs in the, you know, lower down in the football pyramid. But this is why we should potentially consider other options to help filter that money down and so maybe you know Todd Burley's suggestion might not be quite so crazy <laughs> some of the other games will kind of change but I don't know I, I, I often I do like these these shareholder meetings just to see the, the the different ideas that come out of it it's definitely good for debate isn't it I mean it is an international break and dare we mention England I'm not feeling so confident ahead of this World Cup it's the first time I've said that but England are in a relegation battle um, because they are winless in their last four games, which is the longest run since 2014. With their last game, a 4-0 defeat against Hungary, as you were talking about how brilliant Hungary were um, and are at the moment, Haley. That's their worst home defeat as well since 1928. So all these terrible records at the moment. But right now, England are bottom of the UEFA Nations League group. They've scored only one goal from their four games and they're three points behind Italy. So they could be relegated into the B League. The highest ranked side in the B League is Ukraine, who is 17th in the world and England and ninth. So things not looking so good for England right now. Please don't let us get I just, I just want them to scrap the Nations League. Uh, not not because we're doing badly, but just, I just, you know, again, I, 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 I do struggle to see the point of it, I have to I've say. Never and, liked, I've never liked it. Yeah, and that's, and that's not meant to be derogatory to the teams who are doing well in it, um, but I just think it's it, it just annoys me. The Nations League annoys me, sorry. All right, well, those are three things you can watch out for during this international break. Quick reminder that you can access the Athletic Women's Football Podcast via all the usual methods. This week, Lindsay Hooper's joined by ex-England and Man City goalkeeper Karen Bardsley and the Athletic Women's Football reporter Charlotte Harper. The WSL finally got underway this weekend. Goodness me, and it wasn't without a few headlines either. Full of shocks, really. Chelsea lost to newly promoted Liverpool and a depleted Man City. They've lost a whole ton of their Lioness stars, haven't they? Uh, They lost a seven-goal thriller at Villa. Gareth Taylor, the Man City manager, pleading for patience. You can hear all about it on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. All right, let's head into topic three then. Sunday afternoon saw a piece of history made. Ethan Nwanyeri took to the field in Arsenal's 3-0 demolition of Brentford. In the process, Nwanyeri became the youngest ever Premier League player. 15 years and 181 days, beating the record previously held by Harvey Elliott. Born in 2007, before the Emirates Stadium was even opened, Nwanyeri has made Premier League history then and set a record that will take some beating. Also caused quite a bit of controversies, a lot of conversations going on about the fact that that he is a schoolboy, he is 15. Is it appropriate to lump that much pressure on him? Mikel Arteta seems to think it's okay. Uh, Maybe we trust in that. Maybe we do need to ask questions about it. Let's talk about, though, rather than chewing through that, and I know there have been lots of discussions on it already, should we have a look at other records that could be broken this season? Uh, What else is up for grabs? Hayley? Ooh, okay. What about how many managers or how many clubs are going to swap managers? We've already had Tuchel, Potter and Parker gone. Brendan Rodgers under a bit of pressure. Steve Cooper as well. But there are quite a few under pressure. Uh, Bruno Larger, sorry about Lindsay. Uh, Moyes, Gerrard, Hasenhutl. We could have a massive freshen up of things this season. I don't think the stop-start nature of the league is helping anybody right now. When you have a look at 
last season. There were only nine clubs who changed managers. The most actually was 17 clubs changed their managers back in 1994-95. But when you look at how many managers have already been sacked or departed the club, not been sacked, whether it be through kind of a mutual agreement, we're already ahead of the last few seasons. So on track to be quite a high number mm. of, of, of changes up the top there. Just throwing that one in there. I've looked at this as well, actually, Hayley, but I've got slightly different stats to you. Um, and I think I've done it on yeah. managerial changes, maybe rather than yes, clubs who've clubs. changed. Yeah. So this is managerial changes. OK, just to just to keep this conversation going. The current record for the most managerial changes in a season is 20. That was in 1718. Uh, that was when Mark Hughes left Stoke, Tony Pulis left West Bromwich Albion, Billich left West Ham. Remember those yeah, days? So that's I the do, record. Yeah. <laughs> Last season, there were 16 managerial changes in the Premier League. This season, wow. we're on four already, or perhaps that's five, actually. We've got Scott Parker, Thomas Tuchel, Graham Potter, Andrew Croft, who's in care, who's caretaker at Brighton, obviously, before the arrival of Deserby. Mm. So I think he counts as one as well. So perhaps perhaps we're on five already yeah, for this season Rogers so Christmas yeah yes exactly Brendan Rogers Steve Cooper there's lots of chat uh, about the forest manager because his deal expires at the end of the season mm. um so we could be on target couldn't we for beating the record of 20 managerial changes in a season Ali yeah so one of the things that excites me I love to go to high scoring games and I've been really lucky actually to have attended the 9-0 uh, which was Leicester against Southampton. And it's just such a crazy thing because all the journalists are looking at one another, going through their stats, thinking, could this be the biggest ever win? So I think we are on track for the first ever 10-goal win in a single game. Because, we, I mean, look at Haaland, for example, and look at how Manchester City are, are just on fire and scoring so many goals. There have been four 9-0 games in Premier League history, and three of them have come since 2019. So, you know, we're getting more and more goals in a game. Four of the five 8-0 wins have been since 2010 as well. Um, and there are a few teams, unfortunately, who are conceding a lot of goals, like Bournemouth, Forest and Leicester conceding more than two per game. Um, the other thing I wanted to throw in when we were talking about the, the youngest player is that I noticed something just pop up um, that a, a Northern Irish schoolboy, Christopher Atherton, became the youngest senior footballer in the UK because he came on in a game um, 13 years. Was he 13? Um, yes, 13, yes. 329 yeah. days, bless him. I mean, wow. That is, I mean, what was I doing at 13? Oh, dear, it's amazing. Probably picking spots on my face. That's what I was doing <laughs> at 13. Yeah. Um, most free kicks scored. We could also see this record beaten this season. Mm. David Beckham, unsurprisingly, really leads the way. 18 on the all-time list. But James Ward-Prowse is only four behind on 14. Surely he's going to beat that. He's only 27. Great injury record, Ward-Prowse. Rarely misses a game. So surely Ward-Prowse will beat that record of 18 free kicks scored uh, from David Beckham. Surely that's got to go this season. I think so. And I'm always really delighted to hear about Ward Prowse as well, because I did an interview with him. It's quite some time ago now, back in 2019. But he was talking to me about rock bottom. And I, I, I love it when a player, I know it sounds bad, but hits rock bottom, but then decides to turn them, themselves around. And he said it was the 22nd of December against Huddersfield. And he was the 19th man. He was traveling on the bus. He had to go all the way to Huddersfield and he couldn't help his team out. And he said at that point, he knew something had to change. And he got um, Ralph Hassenhutl and he said, I'm going to sit in the auditorium with you and go through all my games and teach me how I can be better. And um, Hassan Hussle said, you know, you need to be more aggressive. You need to play more on the front foot. 
and he's really turned himself around. And so I, I just feel delighted when I hear any record about him mm. and call ups and that kind of thing, because, you know, he hasn't always been that great player. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, OK, um, I think we're done on that one, ladies. Time to move on to any other business. Still haven't got a theme tune for this, by the way. I might ask producer Doogie if he's got a keyboard. Um, anyway, any other business? Uh, smaller stories that may have gone under the radar or just interesting talking points. Um, I might get us started if that's all right, ladies, because this is super interesting. On Sunday, two former Manchester United teammates are going to face off in the USA. I think we probably know who. Phil Neville's into Miami travel to face Wayne Rooney's DC United. It's a crunch clash by the way, for Neville and Miami. They badly need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, Neville's under real pressure there at the moment because this is the minimum expectation of him. If Wayne Rooney's DC United end up beating Miami and absolutely trashing their playoff hopes, could that mean that inadvertently Wayne Rooney gets Phil Neville the sack? That's something to think about, isn't it? Hayley, over to you. I love this one just because it was quite funny. Um, and I'm sorry because Jeff Shreves is a colleague of mine, but I love that Arsene Wenger has been obviously speaking out and being a bit more open about sort of feelings and things that he he went through as, as a manager. And when Arsenal lost 8-2 to Manchester United, this was back in 2011. I remember I was working for MUTV at the time. Jeff Shreves was asking him some questions that he didn't enjoy. And he said, it's the first time he actually wanted to hit him. He said, it's like <laughs> his hands, he had to like hold his hands down by his side and he knew that it was live on TV. So he mm-hmm. just basically stopped himself from punching him in the face. So, yeah. Um, it. Wow, yeah. imagine. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Sorry, it's not funny, but it is. I know, the <sighs> first manager to attack a... Yeah. A pundit, a commentator. A pundit or, or yeah. a commentator this season. That, that could be a first. Ali, over to you. For my any other business, can we just mention David Beckham standing for hours in the queue <laughs> to see the, the Queen lying in state? I just, I, I don't know why, but I was just particularly touched by this story. And I, I'd love to see him get a knighthood, to be honest. I know there was a lot of controversy about an email that he, you know, apparently sent and, and was upset that he hadn't received one. And, and apparently he was given a chance to go into the sort of the queue hop for, you know, important people but he decided to you know i think an mp of the hollywood fast Q. pass the film wow fast pass mm. fair play to him and i loved i loved all the chat with the people around him and we've been eating crisps and we've been eating jelly babies and donuts it took um, it took so long though didn't it for someone to realize that he was there because he, he he arrived at 2 a.m and it took until like nine o'clock the next morning for people to go David Beckham's in this queue so I loved that he sort of went under the radar for most of the quiet of the night until kind of everyone you know everyone awoke in the morning and realized that he was there I just thought that was a really nice touch you know some people are saying Ali that he uh, that that was his move for a knighthood Uh, but I don't think so I don't think so (laughs) all right anyone else with anything else I've got a little brief one. Have you seen, you'll you'll have to watch the clip of FIFA 23 and the ratings cards were handed to some players to show them, you know, sort of the breakdown of your stats. It's really funny because Erling Haaland was given an 88 and he was like, oh, because he's obviously, he's got a good personality. He was like, oh, it could have been higher. It should be higher, (laughs) but I'll take that. So he was quite surprised. He only got 
88. But yeah, it's quite funny. Have a little look at the clip. He's alongside um, Nathan Aki and Jack Grealish as well. Grealish has got 84, actually. He was chatting about um, Erling Haaland and just saying, you know, he's actually making him want to play better football and up his game because he's just so ridiculously talented. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show. Thank you. uh, If you've been listening as well, thanks for your feedback about the show. If you want to tell us what you're liking, what you're not liking, do get in touch at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, until we meet again next week, what are you guys up to? And, and I think Lindsay will be back with us next week. But um, Ali, what are you up to in the meantime? Do you know, it's all, everything, ever since the Queen's funeral, everything's kind of been postponed and I can't quite figure out when everything's been put back on. So I'm basically <laughs> going to have a lot of stuff that was previously postponed, basically. It's my catch-up week. Catch-up. <laughs> and Hayley? Yeah, I've got quite a lot on this which is good. I've had 10 full days off Sky. I had a little week's holiday, a few days off um, either side to just get my life sorted out. But tomorrow, as soon as I come off air, I'm heading up to Manchester to be part of Football for Change, which is a charity backed by Jamie Carragher. He's organising it. Noel Gallagher is going to be performing. Bit of music from Mel C. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun doing that. And then I have a couple of exciting events next week, which I'll tell you about once they've happened when we're back on the podcast again. Mm, there you go. And of course, wow. it's at Sky Sports News in between. Well, listen, it sounds like a busy time for you guys. Uh, and I'm sure we will reconvene this time next week to our listeners thank you for listening to Ali Bender and to Hayley McQueen see you soon you've been listening to the Offside Rule part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network.